Well, greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections podcast. I'm your host, Christopher McClellan. Our podcast offers stories of fascinating residents who are proud to call the Terraces at Bonita Springs home, as well as our terrific team members who are dedicated to support and improve our residents' lives. To learn more about the Terraces at Bonita Springs Lifestyle, visit us online at theterraces at bonitasprings.com or call us at 239-306-5018 and be sure to subscribe to the Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. In this episode, we visit with our resident Robert Ulrich. Robert talks about his wonderful career in banking that includes launching of two very popular credit cards and encouraging community banks to stay the course and support their local community. You'll also learn about a wonderful leadership program Robert created at Kent State University for the Graduate School of Business, as well as his fantastic philosophy on life, which he calls Attitude of Gratitude. Let's enjoy our conversation with Robert, and I'll see you on the other side of the podcast. Well, greetings, Bob, and welcome to this episode of The Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections podcast. It is a delight to visit with you today. I appreciate being here. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, then, you know, we got a couple of Midwestern guys here. You know, you're from Ohio. I'm from Missouri, so we we already know we're nice people. Absolutely. And you've been in Florida now about 20 years. So that, I think the rule is if you're here 20 years, you're, you're a native. I've been told that. And, but it's been probably the fastest 20 years I've ever experienced. Faster than your great 33-year career at uh, Huntington National Bank? It was faster. Yeah. It was faster. I think that but is so terrific to... to, that you... Uh, 33 years in, in banking, but at one one company. It, you just don't hear that these days. You do not hear that these days. And I wasn't sure I was going to do that either. I really started out with Control Data Corporation. And I worked there for about four years. And then I was recruited to the bank by a friend. And then sure enough, by the time we got finished, 33 years had gone by. I guess they say, don't blink. It goes by really fast. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. So talk about your career a little bit. 33 years, you must have seen quite a lot of changes in the, in the industry. I saw a lot of change in the industry. And I started with the bank at the time, Chris, where and there was a primary reason I was being recorded, actually being recruited to the bank. And that was because they wanted to introduce this little new project called credit cards. Oh, goodness, So yes. I came primarily for the purpose of launching MasterCard. Unbeknownst to me at that time, we had a competitive bank in Columbus, Ohio, that was also about to do the same thing. So it then became kind of a contest to see who could hit the street first. And fortunately, we did that by about 24 hours. But beyond that, I think the thing that I found most compelling about the bank was 
I had a variety of opportunities that I never thought that I would have. I experienced really some type of exposure to about anything you could imagine in banking. From the launching of MasterCard, we then subsequently decided to become a dual-card issuing bank, and we issued Visa. So back again, I came to launch that particular program. And then from there, Chris, I became involved in everything from retail bank supervision. I was never a teller. I have to confess, I was never a teller. But I was involved with retail bank administration. I was involved with trust. I was involved with marketing. I was involved with human resources. So, and finally, I did what I really enjoyed the most was I went to work for the holding company. And when I went to work for the holding company, which was Huntington Bank Shares, I became responsible for our community bank group in Northeast Ohio. So that amounted to eight other banks that I became responsible for as a regional exec. Totally enjoyed it. I could hear that enjoyment in your voice. And you think of two very cutting-edge products that you've been involved in, both uh, MasterCard and Visa, how that's really changed people's lives. And then the community banking, I think that there's a fascination to that because if I understand it correctly, you really get involved with the community when you're on the ground with community banking. That is so true. It's one of the things I probably enjoyed the most. Our community bank group that I was responsible for, Chris, would have been those banks that originally were affiliated with us. And the biggest thing that I did with the community bank group was to convince them to keep doing what they had been doing. We bought them because they were successful. I was confident they would continue to be successful as long as they continued to be vital and active in the communities that they served. They did that. And what a pleasure it was to go to these communities and become involved with our bank activities and why we were important to that community. I enjoyed it immensely. You know, the, a word that comes to mind as I'm as I'm listening to you, and I, I hope I'm not projecting here, but it, you're you just have a voice of gratitude and grateful for what you've done. That is so true. I'm just just totally gratified in so many different ways because people express such kindness to me mm-hmm. as an individual. That was just terribly important. I could feel their kindness toward me. And as a result, I, I just couldn't express my gratitude enough to them for the fine work that they did. So Bob, another great uh, aspect of your background that I was able to to read about and learn about is your involvement with Kent State University and the leadership program. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? I sure can. I was on Kent State's advisory board for the business school. As part of that responsibility, um, we really took an active interest in how we could become more instrumental in how the university functioned. They, in turn, asked me to become involved in a project to help them develop a leadership program. And I said, why me? They said, 
because we provide the academia experience, but you can provide the real life experience. We need your input in that aspect to develop the program in order to produce a more well-rounded individual when they soon graduate from the university. Giving those real-life experiences tacked on with uh, the academic studies, there's, there's nothing more valuable. There is nothing more valuable. I tried to draw on some of the other resources of the university, Chris. I went to their ROTC group, and people asked, well, why did you do that? And I said, well, from a military point of view, they're all about leadership, and they're preparing young men in their ROTC program to become future leaders in the military. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to really delve in to the whys and wherefores and how they went about that process so we could better develop a leadership program that would be instrumental to these young people that were about to graduate from the Graduate School of Business. And I would imagine they were very grateful for the insight. I think they were, although, you know, it's one of those situations, Chris, where I really probably gleaned more from them than they did from me. Mm-hmm. I was kind of there as a facilitator for the whole process, but gosh, I learned so much about these young people and how sharp they were. And uh, it just convinced me that our hands, our future was going to be in pretty good hands. And it's nice to know that you kind of kind of had a piece of that. Yes, it sure is. So then I'm going to fast forward just a little bit and uh, you retired and moved to Florida. You and Susan moved to Florida in 2001. And the- 2001, we came full-time to Florida. We actually bought in Florida in 1997. At that time, Chris, I was still working. So we were traveling back and forth. The six months routine in north, six right. months down in Florida. Yeah. So we did that trek. And then I retired in 2001. And when I retired in 2001, I said, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just make a decision where we want to be? The decision was easy. We decided that Florida was the place for us. I still have a son in Ohio, so I had that connection to always come back to. Right. But we enjoy the state of Florida so much. You know, we, we, we share that in common. It was right around the mid-90s when I made made kind of the decision that I wanted to do this full-time. Because As much as we love the Midwest, there's that, that four-letter word that comes up so often in the wintertime, snow. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because with us, and it's a W, <laughs> Right. And it kind of keeps you away from some of your hobbies like golf and running. Oh, that, my God. that four-letter word. Yes, that four-letter word did that up there. But down here, I'm able to enjoy it. And I did enjoy it. I really enjoyed both golfing and running. And running was kind of an interesting situation, Chris. What happened to me was I was in my late 50s. And my idea of running was a jog, just okay. slightly faster than a walk. Right. I have a daughter that was working for a gentleman by the name of Jeff Galloway. And Jeff Galloway was an Olympian. I recognize that name. Yes. Back in the 70s. Yes. Galloway was an Olympian. Mm -hmm. And my daughter worked for him 
and her job was to train marathon runners. She said, you could do this. I said, you're nuts. Although she all of a sudden started to send me all the same information and instructional material through Jeff that they provided to all their runners that were aspiring to complete a marathon. Mm -hmm. So I got involved with this. And all of a sudden she said, stay with it. We're going to end up doing a marathon together. Oh, my goodness. And sure enough, we did. You and, and your my, daughter did a marathon together. We did do a marathon together, and we did the Rock and Roll Marathon in Nashville, Tennessee. And I can tell you with confidence, they have big hills, lots of hills. And but what a pleasure to be able to do it with my daughter. I was, I, you just took my next question. That's what I was going to say. That had to have been a pleasure to, to do something like that with your daughter because you know she kind of turned the tables on you when you think about it she she was encouraging you to do something when usually it's the parents encouraging the kids to do something and she she just encouraged you and challenged you to do it and you did it together she did and not only did she encourage me she encouraged her sister who's from atlanta so the sister got involved with the same program mm -hmm. And I also ran a marathon with that daughter in Atlanta. It was the Publix Marathon. Uh -huh. And it was another joyful experience for me that now I was able to do two marathons with both my daughters. I have three daughters, by the way. Yeah, uh, four kids, four children all together, I think. Four. One son, three girls. One son. Oh, I, I understand. I, I have four sisters, so I understand your... I understand yours. <laughs> well, I have two sisters. They made me appreciate having my daughters. I'll tell you that. I always say to friends and family, and I do these in my presentations, I, I was trained well. I have four, four older sisters, but enough, of, enough about me. So well said. Yeah, and I love them all very much. And I mean that when I say I was trained very well. So, yep, uh, me too. You and your wife, Susan, moved to the the terraces about three years ago. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. We moved. Actually, you have to understand this. Chris, do you remember Hurricane Irma? Oh, yes. You do remember that little thing? Yeah, that little, that little thing that kind of... <laughs> yes. So I put my condominium in Naples, Florida, up for sale... One week before Irma, one week after Irma, I was convinced that was not a good decision. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, did I know that it was going to sell the Thursday after Irma. That is amazing. It is amazing. Therefore, that made my trek to the terraces a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And... Because my wife looked at me and said, Bob, we've got to live somewhere. That is kind of important. Yeah, so just a little bit important. Mm -hmm. But when you moved to a life care center, we had already been looking at them for about two years before we made a decision right. to go to terraces. Mm -hmm. And terraces was really kind of an afterthought. 
because it was north of Naples. Okay. So it was out of my geography. But out of my geography by 12 minutes. Oh, my goodness. That's all the further north Terraces was. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had gone on a weekend to breakfast at a local restaurant, came back from that. My wife said, here's this place called the Terraces. Don't you think we should check it out? I said, sure. Let's go check it out. And we did. And then we checked it out again. And we checked it out again. And we checked it out again. And after having searched maybe four or five other different communities, we decided Terraces was what we needed to be. So we came to Terraces. We came to Terraces. And talk a little bit about the, the transition and the move and the, and the staff at the Terraces that, that helped you make, uh, make the move. They were so incredible. They were so incredible. The staff at the Terraces could not do enough for my wife, Susan, and myself. We asked a lot of questions. There, were no, there was no such thing, Chris, as having too many questions. They maybe were the most professional, efficient people that I had ever come across and never, never, never put any pressure on us to come to Terraces. They were more concerned with us as individuals and were we going to be able to satisfy our future needs than anything else. And that impressed me immensely. And it was because of that staff and because of the people that we were introduced to that convinced us this is the place where we wanted to be. And anytime you make a you know a major decision like that to to be instantly felt comfortable and accepted by the people who are going to be entrusted in, with your care had to make this just a a tad bit easier for both you and your wife. It was more than a tad. It was more than a tab. It was a whale. I mean, it really did a number on us. And it did. It was so, so satisfying to us. And with your with your move to the terraces, you're able to you you've joined, I think, the walking club and you're are you still are you still doing some marathons? I am not. And there's a reason for that. Okay. And the reason is I told you about my daughter in Atlanta. The end of 2014, she and I finished that marathon in Atlanta. I came back home, had a physical scheduled, and everything went great. The doctor told me, keep doing whatever you're doing because it sure seems to be working. I said, not true. There's something going on that I don't know about, and it just doesn't feel right. And Chris, when I finished that marathon in Atlanta, I coughed so hard it hurt. Uh, okay. So I knew something was wrong. So that subsequently led to a uh, x-ray, was not conclusive. Looked like there might have been some scar tissue there. So they referred me to a pulmonary group. They took it a step further. I had a CAT scan, and then I found out that I had cancer. Oh, okay. So when I walked in to see the pulmonary people, they looked at me and said, you don't know, do you? And I said, I don't know what. And they said, you have cancer. 
And I mean, you could have dropped a brick right. right on my head right at that particular point in time. So needless to say, we were taken back by that. So for the entire year in 2015, I was in radiology and chemotherapy. So I lost a year in there. Sure. But I also was a survivor. Wow. So this year was my five years that Look, I have been cancer-free. Cancer-free five years. That is right. That is so fantastic. Now, Chris, I'm back to walking. You're back to walking? Yes. How about and golfing? How, tell me about I, your golf game. Oh, Chris, I mean, I love to golf. But my golf game is maybe a just a glimmer of what it used to be. Right. But you know what? It didn't make any difference to me. Because after you have a life scare, and cancer almost took me down. Right. But after that life scare, I soon learned to appreciate all the other things in life that maybe I was kind of taking to granted. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because um, I, I think it's important for people to, to hear that. Because when a diagnosis like that comes in, and I'm kind of shifting into my caregiver mode here, that... Sure. Uh, you know, the diagnosis not only impacts uh, the person who receives it, but also I would imagine it impacted your wife and, yes. and your kids. It's a diagnosis that impacts everybody, but you've, you're talking about it in such a positive fashion now because you've been through the process. But I'd just like you to elaborate a little bit more on, on the experience. Sure. The process, needless to say, was difficult at best. Mm -hmm. However, I decided I had two choices. I could either be happy going through this process or I could be bad. Right. Those were the only two choices I had. I chose to be happy. I had been so blessed in my life. That was an easy decision for me. And if it had to be that I didn't make it through the cancer, then I was okay with that. In my mind, I was okay with that. I had great fun. This kind of sounds a little crazy, but I had great fun going through the treatment with all the other people that were receiving treatment for cancer. Sure. You I kind never, of bond together. You, we you, did, Chris. You, bond, but you, know you what? bond together in the treatment, right. Mm. You do. And when mm -hmm. I walked in there, I never saw so much despair in all my life. Right. So I watched this for about four days after treatment. So the fifth day, I walk in there, and I said, I can't take this anymore. So I'm walking through the treatment center, and I said, when has anybody ever had so much fun than to be here at the treatment center? And everybody just broke out laughing. Broke out laughing. I, I have a vision of this. Yes. Yes. And there was a lady there. She was completing her treatment. And from there, she was going to go to play tennis. And I just saw a total different attitude on her face after I said that. And she said, thank you for saying that. And that was my attitude of gratitude that particular day. Attitude of gratitude. You have that 100%. My goodness. Yes. yes. <laughs> I just, oh, I just knew this was going to be fantastic. And with <laughs> you. Goodness. Uh, you know, Bob, we've just, uh, we could talk all day, but uh, I'd like you to kind of go back just a little bit on, on the coming into the transition sure. at the terraces. 
So you're at that time you were. See, so you've been there three years. So you've been a, you've been a few years past your uh, cancer treatments. But I would imagine there had to be some comfort in knowing that being at the terraces that your care was going to be handled from day one. Yes. And frankly, that was my primary motivation, Chris. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find a facility. It just so happens that the terraces, it's all under one roof. It's all under one your roof. Your health it's... center, as well as your independent living. But in the event that I would have a recurrence of cancer, who knows? Who Stuff knows? Happens. We never know. You never know. That is totally correct. And I wanted to know that I had prepared not only my wife and myself for that eventuality, but I had prepared for my family, that they didn't have to worry about us. We had prepared for ourselves, and we had prepaid our health so that the major expenses that one might incur, which could be huge in the future, I had already settled, and that gave me a great deal of comfort. It's a worry-free living. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Bob, you're pretty awesome. I thank you for that. And can I come over and and uh, play a game of golf with you? And uh, I'm not very good, but uh, and take a walk around the community grounds with you? I'd love for you to do that. I'd even buy your lunch. <laughs> well, and In I fact, might even, Chris, and I, I might, might even, even buy you dinner. So. I like that even better. <laughs> well, Bob, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with uh, me today and sharing your your wonderful experience and your gratitude. And I look forward to uh, meeting you in person real soon. Likewise, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Throughout his cancer diagnosis, and as difficult as it was for him. Robert made the choice to be happy and share his attitude of gratitude with all of those around him. What a terrific philosophy on life and what a terrific life well lived. I can't thank Robert enough for sharing his story with us today. To learn more about the terraces at Bonita Springs and how you can be part of our enriching lifestyle, please visit us online at theterraces at bonitasprings.com or call us at 239 239- 306-5018. And be sure to subscribe to the Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Christopher McClellan. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you for another episode real soon. Take care. Bye for now.